Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and this is Advent. Of all the seasons of the year, Advent proves to be my all-time absolute favorite time of the year. It begins with such a prompting of remembering, remembering what happened 2,000 plus years ago and why we do it. It also concentrates on something I'm terrible at. And I was reflecting early this morning about how is it that I could be practicing Advent for so many decades and understanding the concept so clearly from my eyebrows up and still struggle with what we've come to do for Advent, and that is to wait. This is a time of waiting the time of remembering and waiting. Now, I'll, I'll tell you how I am about Advent. I read Advent all Advent long. I don't just read one Advent devotional. I have, I don't know, if I said seven or ten, I would say seven or ten. And some of them are in this room, and we are now in our new home, and the fireplace is up and working, and it's finally cold. For those of you who live in the sub-zero temperatures, it is finally cold in Arizona. That would be 50 degrees. So we have a fire going. So there are a couple of books there. And then we watch, and if you have never watched this, please go to the Biola University in Southern California and their Advent and Lenten extravaganzas. It is all the things I love. It is art and music and they have been so careful in their presentation. They do it twice a year, Advent and then, and then in Lent. And so it, it's beautifully scripted and beautifully presented. And there's music. And this year it's the Messiah. This is what they're opening up, the Messiah, with all sorts of artists from all around the world. Yesterday's piece was from Mexico. Today, a woman and gentleman from the East Coast. Just fabulous. Okay, so now have I set the stage for you how I feel about Advent? So this morning I was wandering around, and I hope that you will continue to look to our website where we are putting up four years ago material that I created for families. thought we would pull it out and use it again because there are a lot of instructions for small projects and daily readings and activities for a family. And a lot of you are at home with your family 24-7. I hope it's helpful to you. I believe that our executive producer is putting up eight days at a time, so you can download them or read them ahead. There is a list of project materials, most of the stuff you have in your house. So one of the readers that I love to read at Christmas is um, Beekner, And this is a quote from him. And that just made my socks go up and down, as Elizabeth Elliot used to say. In the silence of midwinter dusk, there is far off in the deeps of it somewhere a sound so faint that for all you can tell it may be only the sound of silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You walk up the steps to the front door, the empty window at either side of it telling you nothing or almost nothing. For a second, you catch a whiff in the air of some fragrance that reminds you of a place you've never been in a time you have no word for. You are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. Advent is the name of that moment. Oh, 
Advent is the name of that moment. I could stop now and say that epitomizes what I feel about Advent. But one of the things I wanted to chat with you about this morning, this day, is the beginning of Genesis and the beginning of Matthew. Okay, so if you have your Bibles around when you're listening to the show, or if you've got a pen and a paper, would you go to the first chapters of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and look and see what it says from verses 6 through 9. So when the women saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Where are you? I was writing my journal this morning thinking, where am I? Like, that's such a profound question and that it opens the entire canon with God saying this to his first human creatures. Where are you? Where are you? And in another piece that I have been reading these last five or six days, There's this conversation about what lengths God will go to pursue us. Have you ever thought about that? I often say to people, especially women, when I meet with them one-on-one, do you know that God is always wooing and pursuing you? Do you know that he is always with you? And oftentimes I say that, and from my eyebrows up, uh, people look at me and they understand that intellectually. They they believe theologically that God is everywhere, always present, always. But from their heart stance, they're not aware of his presence in every moment of every day, of every year of their life. And the question that God asks Adam and Eve, where are you? And I I read this phrase that said, We are never safe. There is no place we can hide from God, no place where we are safe from his power to break in and recreate the human heart because it is just where he seems most helpless that he is most strong and just where he least is expected, he comes more fully. But but come to that phrase, there is no place where we can hide from God. I know if somebody sits across the desk from me and I say, are you hiding? Nine out of ten times they say, no, no, I'm not hiding. But then their lives prove that they are hiding. And this passage allows us to look at the wisdom, the wisdom that she wanted and the wisdom that she blew because she didn't do what God had called her to do. So this is a little verse or two of paragraph from Anne Voskamp, which is also something I'm looking at this year. And the question, where are you, would be the question, where are you in your life? And where are you from God? To get where you want to go, the first question you should always have to ask is, where am I? Like, well, we want to buy a house. Well, where are we financially? We want to um, go to the grocery store. Well, what do we have in the refrigerator? 
Where am I? Where am I? What is it? Our fall was, Anne says, as always has been and always will be, that we aren't satisfied in what God gives. We hunger for something more and something other. The only thing that will ever satisfy our hunger for more is no hunger for the one who comes down to Bethlehem, house of bread, the one who comes after us, pursues us and woos us and offers himself as bread for our starved souls. And then Anne goes on to bring to my attention, which I've never considered, that the first words spoken in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, in the New Testament, the first question, not the first words, the first question that is asked. So in the Old Covenant, the first question is, where are you? And in the New Covenant, the question comes from the Magi, from the wise men who come to King Herod. And what do they say? Where is the child who has been born? Where is he? Who am I and where is he? And I cannot hide from this God. I cannot hide from him. I try to. I probably do it more cleverly. Aren't I a clever person? I don't actually hide. I'm not, I'm not one of those who goes to a quiet place or shuts down. If anything, you can ask my husband. When I'm really hiding from something, when I'm really upset about something I feel I have to do, I talk nonstop. Just like a million words a minute. David will say to me, do you have any eyes? And I said, were those words? He said, well, that's what it sounds like when you get on your roll. So my way of hiding is not to run and hide and not speak of it. My way of hiding is to speak more, to hide in the words. All our moments, all our waking, all the globe is a looking glass to God. And the wise keep seeking the presence of Christ in a thousand places. Because you only come to yourself when you come to him. Have you been wondering about who you are in this pandemic? Have you been wondering about the pain you're trying to cover? Or the perfectionism you're trying to cover? God looks for you when you're feeling lost. And your God seeks you out when you're down. Your God calls for you when you feel cast aside. He doesn't run down the rebel. He doesn't strike the sinner. He doesn't flog the failure. He says, I am here. I am here. Come. I am here. Come. This is a time of waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the promise that the word of God gives us. The promise that says we are to expect him to return. He went and left the earth, was transfigured after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. He came, he died, he rose again, and he will come again. And we are waiting for his coming again. And these days help us set aside a time for waiting. And I want to say to you during this Mm, unusual. That's the only word I've really come up with that I feel satisfies all that I feel about the pandemic, all the changes, all the absence of people, all the presence, more rules and regulations, all the fear, oh, so much fear in the faces of people I love, so much rebellion in the face of people I love who say I'm not doing anything they recommend, it's not the science, or I'm doing everything they recommend, it is the science, and it seems that both are extremes. 
both are extremes. And the word I continue to use, this is an unusual time that we are in the middle of it. And I ask myself the question, as I ask you today, where are you? Where are you? And then I ask the question that the Magi asked King Herod, where is the King of Jews? Where will I find the Savior? And I want you to know that you will find the Savior at the beckoning of him, because he always woos and pursues you. I want to end um, our time by reading a prayer. Um, Many years ago, I was absolutely adamant, as I can be. Those of you who know me well know I can be adamant about a lot of things, but why would I ever read someone else's prayer or pray someone else's prayer? I was going to read my own prayers. But I have come to so appreciate the men and women who have gone before me, who have labored, making precise words and proper connections and theologically sound statements. And here is a prayer that I prayed this morning, and I'll pray it with you. Lord Jesus Christ, thou Son of the Most High, Prince of Peace, be born again into our world. Wherever there is war in this world, wherever there is pain, wherever there is loneliness, wherever there is no hope, come, thou long-expected one, with healing in thy wings. Holy child, whom the shepherds and the kings and the dumb beasts adored, be born again. Wherever there is boredom, wherever there is fear of failure, wherever there is temptation too strong to resist, wherever there is bitterness of heart, come, thou blessed one, with healing in thy wings. Savior, be born in each of us who raises his face to thy face, not knowing fully who he is, or who thou art, knowing only that thy love is beyond his knowing, and that no other has the power to make him whole. Come, Lord Jesus, to each who longs for thee, even though he has forgotten your name. Come, come quickly. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers, and we're so glad you joined us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day by asking the question, where are you?